And it is Jesus who makes this a glorious day. Welcome to this morning's broadcast. Glad you could join us. Today, we'll see more truth from the Old Testament book of Joel. We'll also be reminded that true repentance makes all the difference. Because our God is compassionate and gracious, we should not be slow to confess our sins. And now, with his message for today, is our pastor, Robert Elliott. Well, a blessed Palm Sunday to each and every one of you. Of course, that is the Sunday we mark on the Christian calendar of the triumphal entry of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ to Jerusalem. He was rejected by his own people, and eventually the cries went from Hosanna to crucify him. I trust that you can be part of a Christian community this Palm Sunday and reflect upon the Lord Jesus being presented as Israel's King and the Savior of the world. Friday coming is Good Friday, a day on the Christian calendar when we mark the actual crucifixion of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, a time for true worship and reflection on the way he cheerfully and obediently laid down his life for the payment of our sins. I trust that you will find your way to a Good Friday worship service. If your own church does not provide one, I would warmly invite you to Calvary Bible Church's Good Friday worship service beginning at 1030. God, through his prophet, held out hope for relented divine judgment. See it there in verse 14? Consecrate a fast. Proclaim a solemn assembly. Gather the elders and all the inhabitants of the land to the house of the Lord your God and cry out to the Lord. They were to cry out to the Lord because he'd hear them. They were to cry out to the Lord because he could do something to help them. If restoration was not possible, if Judah was toast, what would be the point of fasting? Or what would be the point of crying out to the Lord in prayers of confession for sin? And what would be the point if restoration for this nation was no longer a possibility? It's obvious that true repentance would make all the difference back then. Just like true repentance will make all the difference tonight in our lives and in our families and in our church and in our country. True repentance will make all the difference. In Joel chapter 2, if you go forward one chapter to verse 13 of chapter 2, please. And rend, rend means rip or tear, and rend your heart and not your garments. Now return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness, and relenting of evil. That must have been so encouraging. When they heard the prophet say this in chapter 2, after what he had told them from God in chapter 1, it must have been so very encouraging to understand that the Lord's grace and compassion and devotion and mercy were still available to them, although they had blown it and messed it up. And sinned. 
By the way, Joel's inspired writings do not specify the nature of Judah's personal sins, nor do these writings of the prophets specify the nature of Judah's national sins. That tells me that they knew what their sins were. Just like we as Americans know what America's national sins are tonight. And the people of Judah, the individual Jews of Judah, also knew what their individual sins from which they should repent, what those were. And so do we. Let me point out again that back then, time of Joel, their Lord wanted them to understand that his grace and compassion and devotion and mercy were waiting in the wings. They were standing at the ready. They were available if they would repent. I'm sure you know that the God of the book of Joel is our God. He is the same God. He does not change. God the Son, Jesus Christ, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And like ancient Judah, tonight we are all messed up. We greatly sin. Yet the Lord Jesus Christ's grace and compassion and devotion and mercy are available to each of us as well. First John 1 John 1.9, if we confess in Greek, homo legeo, Legao is the verb to say, and homo is the same. If we say the same thing about our sins, then he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And church family, with God, all is all. If we confess our sins, homo legao, say the same thing about our sins that God says. If we do that, he is faithful. That means dependable. He's not fickle. He doesn't have a bad day and a good day when it comes to forgiving us when we confess sin. He's steady, faithful, dependable. He's faithful and he's just to forgive us our sins. Why is he just? Ah, because his son took the penalty that each one of my sins deserves on the cross for me. He took my spankings for me. All the spankings I deserve as a big bad sinner, which I am. Jesus took for me. And so when I homo legeo my sins, when I say the same thing about my sins as God does, the Bible says God then is faithful and just to forgive me my sins and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. That is beautiful. And it's true for you. The prophet Joel interpreted the drought and the locusts and the fires very well. He didn't minimize them. He didn't glorify them. He faced their sorrows. He was comfortable with God being behind them and their sufferings that were inflicted. He didn't deny that God was responsible. He agreed that the natural disasters were, in fact, not natural. Instead, they were God sent. He pointed out their call to personal and national repentance. He had a high enough view of God's majesty and holiness. He had a correct view of how serious sin is to God. He properly understood that God cannot wink at sin or grade sin on the curve. The prophet Joel interpreted drought and locusts and fire really well. And so I ask you, along with me, how do we interpret our lives? Thanks, Pastor Rob, for your message today. And now it's time for Youth Talk with Pastor Nicholas Rogers. Good morning, this is Pastor Nicholas, and today we want to just continue again to talk about Jesus in your image. 
And the last time, as we talked about brokenness, I think that, you know, I think there's more that we can look at here. I think that we need to recognize again, because I think that this is a problem that we have in our nation, that we have a problem because there are many people who are broken and don't know where to, where to turn. And you see, the reality is, is that when we keep this stuff in, what happens is this is why we have a lot of problems in our country and, and, and the world around us, because we don't, we don't take care of our brokenness. We don't take care of our anger. We don't give our anger. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15, it says this, The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me, as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You see, when we consider this, as we consider what Paul is saying here, First of all, he's talking about how Jesus Christ came to die for sinners. And you see, as we consider this, this is the main brokenness that we all face because we are separated from God and it's because of our sin. And when we consider this letter in Timothy and we consider Paul, who was writing this letter, Paul, who was the greatest missionary ever to walk the face of the earth. Here's a man who basically says, you know what? I am the foremost of all sinners. Some versions say I am the chief of all sinners. You see, we need to recognize this morning that none of us are good. None of us have it together. None of us are that we can honestly say that and we point to ourselves and say, well, I got it together because we don't. It's only through the work of Jesus Christ in our lives and because of his righteousness that we are anything. And Paul recognized that because Paul recognized that, you know what? I have to recognize that I am the chief of all sinners. I have sinned. And I am in need of a savior. I am broken. As we consider this, he went all over and did different missionary journeys. And we need to recognize exactly how, how much Paul did. But yet he saw himself as a chief of sinners. You see, we all, in a sense, struggle with a, a, a word that we don't like to talk about, but it's pride. We sometimes look at other people and we think we're better than them. Our image, as we portray, we think we're better than them. We think because we wear a different type of clothes or... You know, we can we have a different type of car, whatever it is, that we think that we have it together. But the reality is, is that sometimes we put on this front of image, but yet we are broken people inside. And two, it's so sad that there is so many people around us that are dying and going to hell because we as the church, sometimes we don't reach out to the broken. We don't help the broken. And see, as a young person listening to this broadcast, again, as we talked about last week, I want us to understand that whatever it is you're going through, that there's a God who's bigger than any problem that you have. There's a God who looks at your problems and, and, and doesn't say, well, that's too small for me. Because there's no problem too small or too big for our God. And I think too many times in our lives, as, as, I, as I think of Paul, and Paul continues in verse 16, but I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example of those who were to believe in him for eternal life. You see, as Paul is saying here, he's saying, look, yes, I am the foremost sinner, but I need to understand that in Jesus Christ, that I might display him, that I may show him because he was patient with me. And because of this, I have eternal life. And because of this, I recognize that my life belongs to him. You see, we need to recognize that as we are broken and, and we consider what God's word says, 
we can look back at Ephesians as Paul is talking, and we need to recognize that some of us, as we portray our image, even in the church today, we think we have it together, and we think that, oh, that was never me. But as we consider Ephesians chapter 2, 1 and 3, it says this, And you were dead in the trespass and sin, in which you once walked, following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that is now at the work of the son of disobedience, among whom we all once lived, in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and they were the nature of wrath, like the rest of mankind. You see, as we consider that, we were dead in our trespass. We all walked the course of this earth. We walked the, the earth, and, and Satan was our, our leader. But as we recognize and we consider what verse 4 says, and, and this is so key, that in just two words, it's key for us to understand it. And, and Paul recognized this, but God. But what, what could God do? But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together in Christ by the grace you have been saved. You see, as we read this verse, we, as we read this verse, we need to recognize that God did not say to us, oh, get things right and then come to me. No, no. He loved us even when we didn't want anything because of his rich in mercy, because he loved us. Even when we were dead, he made us alive. He raised us up. And verse 8 is a key verse that we all know in Ephesians chapter 2, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing it is the gift of God. Verse 9, not a result of works so that no one may boast. Yes, we're not to boast in ourselves, but we are to boast in Christ because we recognize that it's only through the grace of God that we are anything in life. So as we consider this, we are broken. I'm broken. You're broken. Everyone is broken in some way. But that's not the end of the story. Jesus wants to bring healing to us. He wants to heal the areas of brokenness in our lives. We don't have to hide them. We don't have to pretend that they are not there. We need to be like the blind beggar, and we need to be like Paul and acknowledge that we are broken and crying out to our Savior to heal us. Focusing on keeping in perfect image only keeps us from actually experiencing Jesus' healing. We can't be concerned about looking like we have it all together and still show Jesus our brokenness. So I want to challenge you. As we've looked at these last two weeks, talking about brokenness, talking about our need for a Savior. Where are you at in your life? Have you given that brokenness? Have you given that over to God? Have you said, God, whatever it is you want me to do, I want you to do with my life. Or are you holding on to your brokenness and, and, and you're beating yourself up? You see, we're all broken. Many of us have faced issues in our lives that have hurt us, wounded us, and damaged us. Yet we still try to hide behind a perfectly manicured image. We need to stop trying to fool God and ourselves because God stands ready to offer healing and grace for us. He offers mercy. And I hope and I pray that you would take God up on his offer of mercy today. Whatever it is you're going through, give it over to him. And now, today's ministry spotlight. Well, this morning, I'm very pleased to have my friend Paul Worrell in the studio with me. Good morning. Good morning. Pleasure once again. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Paul Worrell is one of our pastors at Calvary Bible Church, one of our servant leaders, and we're so pleased to serve together uh, the Lord Jesus and his people. Paul, you have both an interest in and a lot of knowledge about 
the uh, healing properties of some plants that God has gifted uh, to the Caribbean and particularly to the islands of the Bahamas. And I want to let you speak about that. But before I do, I just want to remind our listeners that um, vegetation is one of the good gifts that God has given in his creation. And um, in Genesis 1, verse 11 and 12, this is what we read. Then God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit after their kind with seed in them on the earth. And it was so. And the earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed after their kind and trees bearing fruit with seed in them and after their kind. And God saw that it was good. Paul, I'm just wondering when I raise the topic of uh, beneficial plants that grow in our country, what comes to your mind first? Probably it's the wonder of God's creation. It goes even beyond the plants. Yes. The nature that just speaks to who God is. He has designed a very complex and intricate world. Yes. Um, he has designed it. It hasn't happened by accident. Mm -hmm. And everything has a purpose. And it's interrelated. And we need to be aware of that. And one of my loves is to find out really what that purpose is. Mm -hmm. It fascinates me. It keeps me up at night. Mm -hmm. I just, it brings a smile to my face. And the wonder of nature that's here in the Bahamas is absolutely amazing. Mm -hmm. It actually blows my mind. The beauty that we have here, the value that we have here. And historically, um, how we've actually used plants um, culturally, socially, and medicinally for our benefit. And one of my desires is that we never lose that, but always use it with a, an, an understanding that this is part of God's plan for us. It's for our good, um, and we just need to see God at work in his creation. Um, I, I absolutely love it. Um, my wife and I, we are pretty much, we are pretty much focused on using these plants as much as possible. Yes. And finding the stories, because as you know, in the Bahamas, we have a huge oral tradition. Yes. However, that doesn't serve us too well, because after um, those people with all this knowledge pass on, it tends to die with them. We are trying to record and expose, particularly our young people, to the wonders of, of nature here, particularly the, the plants. Um, for example, in our house, we do not buy imported teas. Our sons, um, from the time they were born, only drank what we would call bush teas. And we even created a business around it. People would come to our house and we'd only provide them either our traditional teas, some of our special blends, or freshly squeezed juices from Bahamian fruits. And it got to the point where people said, we'll pay you to do this. We love it so much. Mm. Um, we would encourage people, you can do it yourself. But unfortunately, um, for a lot of people who live busy lives, they don't have the time for that. Mm -hmm. But we are more than happy to provide it. And there are so many health benefits. For example, um, diabetes runs in my family. Um, my mom has type 2 diabetes. 
her mom had type 2 diabetes and I was actually diagnosed as pre-diabetic. Yes. I was actually put on pills. I decided I can't live a life just taking pills. And I actually researched um, really a bit about diabetes, what causes it, what it's all about, and found out the plants that actually would help in counteracting those things. And with diet, exercise, and actually consuming some of our teas. Actually, my healthcare provider said, Mr. World, whatever you're doing, keep on doing it <laughs> because you don't need those pills anymore. Praise the Lord. You don't need those pills anymore. But, you know, if you speak with Grammy and Andrus or in Mayaguana or in Cat Island, they'll say, why are you so stupid? You could have done that. That knowledge is there. They've been doing it over time. But we've gotten away from it. And we've gone to that microwave quick fix. And um, I think we're we suffering as a result. Sure. That's fascinating. So uh, for listeners uh, thinking, boy, I'd like to know more about what's good for me that might help me in specific ways. How would you direct that listener to find out this information that is available? Like, how would he get it or how would she get it? Uh, I'll say the way I got it. Okay. I got it from my parents. And whenever I go to a family island, I like to find the oldest or at least the older people in the community, and I just have a word with them. Yes. Because that's where the knowledge base is. I must say, there's a cadre of young people who are expressing an interest in this. Um, but again, that takes time. I like going to the source. But the older people in our community, um, there is wisdom that comes with with age. Certainly. A lot of wisdom that comes with age. And I find that the older people are more than happy to share with you. More than happy. And I just love to have conversations with them. I mean, I can speak with them all day long. There's also, in this day and age, research on the internet. Yes. There are many books that have been written about Bahamian um, fauna and flora. Unfortunately, a lot of them have not been written by Bahamians. But we've had people from around the world who've researched what is here in the bush. And it's amazing. And this is scientific research, um, documented, tested, um, the value of the leaves, the trees, the barks in our country. Fantastic. It's absolutely amazing. Um, I, for example, I can pre prepare a tea. Um, that's comparable to a northern chamomile using only Bahamian leaves. Calms you, it soothes you, it's anti-inflammatory, mm. excellent for digestion, and guess what? It tastes great. Beautiful. So just in wrapping up this segment, um, you mentioned your business and that you, you sell uh, things that you've learned are tasty and or helpful. Uh, what is your best-selling thing, do you suppose? Oh, probably the tea that I just mentioned. Okay, and what's the name of that tea? That's called Serenity. You call that Serenity. That's a It's a play name. on words. That's a clever name. Yes. Um, and there's no secret um, what it's made of, because we actually have it on our box. It's um, gamalami, spice, mint, and fever grass. Wonderful. Well, we could talk about this 
a long time with benefit, couldn't we? Oh, we could. But there's one thing I like to mention. Please. Um, we all like to pull up shepherd needle from our yards. I used to do that. I was guilty of that. I never do that anymore. Shepherd needle is a wonderful anti-inflammatory. How, how do you get from it growing in the ground to being used in that way? Oh, just um, cut everything that's above ground, mm -hmm. um, dry it, mm -hmm. and steep it. As a tea? As a tea. Fascinating. I can almost hear the listeners out there saying, don't end this segment. This is really good. Talk to Grammy and Granddad in Exuma. Okay, you heard it here. Talk to Grammy and Grandpa there and, or any other senior citizen. Paul, thank you so much for My pleasure. sharing this information. And let's, let's have a word of prayer. Absolutely. Lord, you are the creator that has given the vegetation and the trees that you have. In this beautiful part of the world, we thank you for the specific plants and trees and fruits that are ours to enjoy and ours to benefit from. We get, give you the glory as our creator that you've given us these gifts. We pray that we would learn of them, uh, use them, and tell others about how to do the same. Creator God, we thank you for blessing us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. It's time for answers to your questions. We urge you to take a moment and get a pen and paper and take down the references used so that you can do your own study later on. We here at Echoes of Calvary are always excited to receive your letters of support and your questions, which we seek to answer right away and also here on the show. You can send us your letters at eocradio at gmail.com That's eocradio at gmail.com Today, Pastor Elliot draws from Carl Laney's excellent book, Answers to Tough Questions. This book was published back in 1997. And once again, here is Pastor Robert Elliot. Romans 11.21, the question being, is Paul saying that God might cut off believers as he did unbelieving Jewish people? In the analogy of the olive tree, Romans 11, 17 through 24, Paul shows that unbelieving Israel, that is the branches, have been broken off from God's blessing, which is the rich root, in order that believing Gentiles, the, that is the wild olive, might be grafted in. Then in verse 21, Paul gives the warning, For if God did not spare the natural branches, neither will he spare you. This is not a warning that believers will lose their salvation. Paul insists that God moves people from being foreknown to being glorified without any loss along the way. See Romans 8, 29 and 30. Paul is addressing Gentiles in general and warning them against pride in view of Israel's loss. God will not spare the Gentile unbeliever any more than he will a Jewish unbeliever. Believers, whether Jew or Gentile, will never be cut off. See verses 38 and 39. You've been listening to Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church, Nassau, Bahamas. Our morning worship services are at 8 a.m. and 11 a.m. 
in our sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We encourage you to join us. Feel free to write us at eocradio at gmail.com. That's eocradio at gmail.com or P.O. Box N1684, Nassau, Bahamas. And remember, everyone needs a savior.